podcast. This is Unhirable with White Karen and Go To Gay Tommy. Um, yeah, we, we really like to alienate our listeners. <laughs> We're really, uh-huh. Do you have any candy, hard candy we can try? Um, Karen, introduce our guest. Okay, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Okay, this is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's Beige Phillips? Who's Beige Phillips? Well, okay, so that's my past. That's my podcast. But the 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 uh, the, the podcast is an extension of a thing that I did with Patrice in two thousand. Patrice O'Neill. Yeah, him and I were best friends. Um, now you got to watch that because everybody has a, a a friend off when it comes to Patrice. Every meaning. Everybody was his best friend. Um, yeah, well, he made a lot of people cry. That's like <laughs> but um, how did he make you cry? He showed up to a barbecue like every ten years ago. Uh-huh. He showed up to a barbecue that he was throwing. Uh huh. Um, and he was living. Yeah, where he was living. What's funny is you should have really listened to the rest of it because he never had any problem with anybody dressing slutty. So you, there was probably more to that that you cried about that would have been funny, but that's, you know. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. You didn't know it was like a setup. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> And it's it's funny because if you know if you're not around comics, that is what we bust on each other. Like it's always an opportunity to shit on our, on, us, on each other. Yeah. Well, comics from the outside, because I'm not a comic, mm. are really good at just like saying what's honestly on their mind. Sure. And sure. most people aren't that way. Sure. So it's it's disarming at first, but Patrice is somebody because I didn't know Patrice. Mm. Is Patrice from Boston? Yeah, he's a Boston. Yeah, guy. that's why. Okay, so I did. I think I maybe heard his name because I'm from Boston, but now he's like from coming into like the race wars world. He's like a god to so many comics. Yeah, well, he was uh, probably one of the most prolific comics ever. I might say. I would say. Um, very honest, the honest beyond thing. But we we did a uh, he he would always talk about the whole disparity of the way. Uh, I guess it was we he was upset about women 
and the, some of the things that they did. And he would call me up on the phone at four four o'clock in the morning. He didn't know what this bitch did. Like, <laughs> and I was like, "Hello, who's this?" <laughs> and uh, he was on Opie and Anthony, and he they called him the Black Doctor Phil. So we did a show called Black Philip. So it was the Black Doctor Phil. And then when he passed away, uh, we I, I did, did we did thirteen shows from two thousand to two thousand. It's 2006 to 2008. We only did 13 shows. We were on Sirius Radio. And it, those shows became this cult following um, on the on YouTube. Like people, like hundreds of thousands of people were listening to, you know, three-hour shows, which is really weird to listen to a three-hour chunk on YouTube. I mean, you know, the average YouTube listen is nine, four to nine minutes. Um, so it, I... um. I wanted to, it was my way of kind of uh, dealing with his death. And so I picked up the show and I started doing it on my own. And we were just talking about relationships and the context between men and women and that just what what I thought was wrong with. Just really, initially it was, ang I, I think it, the Black Phillips show was anger and the Beige Phillips show was solutions um, to dealing with the difference in men and women, which is interesting because you have feminists that want to tell you that men and women are the same, which is just absurd. It's just really absurd. I mean, to, you know, um, and then I just started talking about this. I was a male stripper for, for 12 years. And, um, prove it, take off your shirt. The <laughs> <laughs> long, long time ago. And then, uh, I, you know, so, and I had been, I, and it was at a time when, um, uh, I've been with a lot of women, a lot of, lots and lots of women. What's and the number? <sighs> we love this game on the show. <laughs> so, this is, uh, so, oh, that's so sweet. That's adorable. Only, only thing I'm going is lucky seven, right? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I um so I kept track I kept track until I was thirty two. How old are you now? Forty? I'm fifty one. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. So I kept track until I kept a I actually kept a log until I was thirty two. At thirty two my number was fourteen hundred. Get that is like more than gay numbers. I was like, oh, he's gonna. I'm gonna put him to shame when I say 200 to 300. Jesus Christ! Wow, how many is the most at one time? 13. No, Whoa. well, 11 of 13. Put it like that. Wow. So. Uh, <laughs> bam, 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 bam. If I had to estimate, you know, from 30, to, if I esti guesstimate. 23, 2, Okay, and so <laughs> was it Will Chamberlain? Who is the basketball? He was 10,000. He was 10, yeah, Good insane. for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his. I mean, I just imagine like I don't know because I have psoriasis and like if I put on a condom, like my dick breaks out. So like, <laughs> I just I feel like I would like get this like my penis would fall off at that number. So. Here's what's interesting. Uh, um, I've never had a, I've never had a one night stand. Like I've never slept with a girl one time and didn't sleep with her again. Yo, that's some crazy dick. Um, 
And well, what's your longest relationship? Oh, gosh. Well, I was married. I was married. Um, and uh, so, so I guess that would be, and I, I don't even know how long I was married. I mean, it's kind of out of my head now, you know. Um, but I was, even my, my ex-wife was, uh, she, she had a girlfriend at the time. And I was kind of supposed to spice up their relationship. They were bringing me in. And then, you were in a thruple with lesbians? Yeah, and then they ended up breaking up, and then they were both kind of fucking with me. And and there was, and then one of them kind of fell off, and then the other, and then the one was with me, and then we ended up getting married. So holy shit! Have you procreated <laughs> in twenty three hundred? I don't. I don't have lanes? any children. I don't wow. have any children. I I raised a couple of kids, like women that I dealt with with single parented and I raised their kids like three different kids I raised in the course of my lifetime um but I never um yeah um not a lot but um that's pretty much their choice more than anything else it was at different points in it very young in their life and then they're grown and it's kind of like you know where you become sort of mommy's ex-boyfriend as opposed to um but um you know my daughter the one that that I you know, was married, which um, she's just very independent and she's a lot like her mother. And so there's just really, you know, was one of the reasons why we are not together was because there really was no obligation to family, you know, in general. That just, that just wasn't a thing. And when I met her, uh, she really wasn't obligated. Her mother wasn't really obligated to the rearing of her own child. Like, I was a better parent to her I was like, she was like, I'm not going to be one of those women who don't have a life because they have a child. And I go, yes, the fuck you are, because this is your choice. And we're going to, in fact, um, we actually broke up early on because I wasn't sure if I wanted to step up and be in a situation with it. Because I, I just feel it's unfair for a man to step up in that situation, become this male figure, and then step out of it. Um, and then you, you, then your daughter's has all these abandonment issues because you're fickle. So I think it's a responsibility, you know, when you do step up in that to kind of, you know, to be there. So. Oh my God, straight people, it's like a nightmare. Cause you like, it's like not, it's a nightmare to me because the thought of having to like enter a relationship is daunting enough. Right. But then if there's like the possibility even of a child resulting by mm. accident or right. or by virtue of the fact that straight people do that right like i don't know it's just like i don't know it's so far from my my well, my my worldview i just can't even imagine that you know it's, it's so much pressure um yeah but it's it's pressure it's sort of like being black in america you just deal with the pressure you know it's just part of the pressure you know what i mean as you would say you know being gay in america i mean and not as so much now but i mean you imagine gay men in the 90s and what a what a um you know what a responsibility that is to or, or to come out at that time and the pressure no totally the i mean the pressure you're under under that it's and it's a pressure that's daunting every day of your life that you, you imagine 70s 80s 90s where you decide i'm going to come out as a gay man and i'm going to be this gay man and that every day of your life the fact that you're a gay man is you're discriminated against every second of, the, of every day or just or at least it's a consideration for you 
in everything that you do. Yeah, usually it's my personality that turns people off, but I, I can imagine. <laughs> no, but actually that's like the work that I do outside of like this podcast is very much rooted in that history. But it, I think it is different for gay people because like what I'm working on is very related to AIDS. Right. Um, which affects black people more than it affects white people now. Right. And more than it affects gay people except for in New York City. Um, so it's not really a gay issue, but that that really did it's interesting because I think that that trauma history, which I think probably black people can relate to, sure. Any I, I, some group. people are funny about that because it's uh, you can you can't always tell. You know what I mean? If someone's gay, yeah, and I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, if somebody's not out, you don't know for sure. Whereas if he's black, you pretty much know he's black up front. But the 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 interesting about that thing about that is, you know, what's funny is this. I always say that it's funny about how conservatives always in their quest for freedom their quest for freedom is always taking other people's freedoms away so it's like i want to be conservative but i don't want you to have an abortion i don't i want to i want to i want to be free so i want to make sure that you can't marry i want to be free you know what i'm saying so it's never it's, their freedom is not only when it comes to guns do they want freedom anything else is about taking other people's freedoms away. Did you see Paul Ryan today? Because, no. I mean, we're recording this uh, two days after the Las Vegas yeah. shooting. Um, and Paul Ryan was asked the question about he voted against expanding background the, checks. Right. And he made it a personal freedom issue. At the same time that they're talking about making abortion illegal after 20 weeks. Yeah, so you know, it's exactly yeah. what you're... I mean, yeah, it's, it couldn't it's, be more timely. You know, it's... Did it get passed? I thought it was up for. I, I, I don't paid know. attention I don't to know. it. I, I, you know, I do one day of uh, news and then five days of Maury Povich just to balance out the crazy. You know what? <laughs> the world's ending. <laughs> like, the world is ending. And I think a lot of people have thought this, and I'm sure the world, like, people's personal worlds have been ending for a long time. But, like, I think that this is what made it hard. Because you're, like, the relationship guy. So, for, like, me as a gay man, it's really hard to find a relationship. And I see things that I think are very different than straight people do because we, like, have to deal with the apps in a completely different way. So, we're just looking at little squares and they're all little fuck squares. Mm. And, like, everybody's a cock zombie. Just, like, how hung are you? How gaping is your hole? Mm. How many dicks can we fit in at once? Mm. Three is the most that I've ever heard of. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's, it's very different in that way because it's so sex-driven which is great and on the one hand but then like I also think like well we're not able to have relationships and I wonder how much of that descends from like well, he, trauma. Here's what's what's interesting even about that that I've had I've had gay men and women on my show and what I find is the principles that I uh you know aspire to or or I'm tweaking constantly it, it, it works in any shape of it works the same way and re reason being because you still have a masculine and a feminine you you always have a mask. Oh, that's so dangerous! I can't wait for gay people to be outraged by this, but I agree with you. <laughs> but it's what's interesting, and the, and the question is how masculine and how feminine. I mean, there's a dial of it, but it's always there's always a you know there's always a top. And I mean, when do you? I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't ever know when the reason why people people distinguish whether or not they're bottoms or tops. There's a, isn't that there's a reason for that? Well, what do you get when you have two tops? Two tops don't make a relationship. Right. It just like doesn't work that way. And two Unless tops and two tops You want to fuck some, other people. Right, right. But two tops still end up somebody ends up bottom at some point in time and there might be an exchange, 
as well. But that doesn't work in my experience because I was in a relationship with a top for five years. And then mm. we broke up, I think, because we were both tops. Right. So, but then that's, that's the point. That is yeah. the point. The point is that the, the, it's, we fit together. Human beings fit together in a real sense. And if it's they, yin and yang. You have to have that yin and yang. And, and it's the natural order of things, which is the same thing what feminists are trying to say in a lot of cases that, oh, it's, we're exactly the same. And it's, and it's absurd to well, think that. I don't hear that a lot. Well, I, I, I totally get that, but we're not equal as human beings either in a real sense. And what I mean by that is, so I wouldn't consider myself a feminist in that if we're discussing women's reproductive rights, um, I'm not arguing about that. A woman's right to choose uh, equal pay for equal, you know, for, for the same positions, opportunity. That's, those are things I don't even think, you know, to even have that argument is absurd. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but there's that this other. That means society's absurd. Yeah, but that's there's the reality. There's this other thing going on about where w- feminists want to say that men and women are exactly alike. So, so here's the thing: I don't have a problem with having a a woman fireman, but I'm a 300 pound man, right? And so, if I'm on the top of this house and the house is on fire, and a woman comes up and she's 120 pounds, I don't want her to come upstairs and look at me and go. Oh, uh, nobody's up there because she can't carry me down three flights of stairs. Now, if she can throw me on her shoulder and carry me down, I, by all means, I'm in. The point is you cannot eliminate the fact that, that what the job entails. Well, that's the difference between that and equal opportunity because what that's saying is the requirement of this job, like girls, soldiers, or whatever, in combat, like, if you can do the training, you can do the Then you should be able to do this. Sure. Right. Well, th- well, that's that's the point, and and the point. It's um, you know, it's an interesting thing, but you have to if you if you're uh, if you can't do the training, even as a man, I don't want you in the job. If especially if it's lives at stake for it, you know, you didn't say what. And how often does that oh, happen? Right. But when has that ever happened? I've never heard of like Karen's a Karen size. No, no, but I'm saying, but that's like what the the example that you're giving. I've never heard of anybody your size trying to pick a person out of a building. No, like I've I'm, never heard anybody yeah. your size going after that type of position. Well, here's here's what here's yeah, well here's it what the what I have had I've had feminists on my show who have said things like hey there's a way there's a way that you can choke a feminist right meaning yeah, of course. Se- meaning yeah. meaning sexually and then stop and then and then stop the told me to stop the podcast because she wanted to go back and erase that 
because in the context, because there be- becomes this echo chamber where feminists have gone yes. even far enough they that cannibalize. you can't even say what you want to say. See, it's the whole point, point of feminism is to understand I, I get to make my choice. And then when she wants to make the choice of femininity or, or being a housewife, all of a sudden, then all of a sudden she's not actualizing what, what her potential is or whatever. When, it, when it, she should be able to make the point is to make the choice. And that becomes the, the, the thing where you can't even have the discussion. And what's interesting is, and I say this to people, if, if for instance, if you today, if you lost your arm, just your arm, and one day you, you were amputated and you had an arm. Your life is different. <laughs> Your life is distinctly different. Because between you and I, simply because you don't have your arm. You don't pour the same. You don't open doors. So, so. Well, I, I was I was just going to say, yes, I agree that women are a disability. <laughs> <laughs> so go on. So what, what I'm saying is it's different. I'm not saying it's, yeah. it is different. You, your life becomes different. when You, you know what I women. think it is? I don't think it's even feminist. What I think it is is that, first of all, I think that I really am starting to think baby boomers ruined everything. Mm. I just think that that generation ruined everything. I, I I think that they they made I mean they were right on the cusp of the technological revolution, they 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 instigated it or well I don't know if they instigated it that's not necessarily true the generation before them probably really got it going like. Um, I think that the sort of like neoliberal American exceptionalism let's go save everybody else in the world and not pay attention to what's happening here. While what was happening here in the 60s and 70s was like these dialogues around politics of liberation and it happened with like black people and, you know, it happened with like Chicano people down in Texas. And there were all these like little moments springing up. Yeah. There was there was gay people at Stonewall. And, and what happens is, is when politics of liberation, which are a good thing for everybody, um, become co-opted by zealots. Which is what happens in any of these groups. There's the gay zealots. There's the feminist zealots. There's right. the black zealots. Absolutely. I, there's the Jewish zealots. A- any group that gets, yeah, <laughs> I call them a problem that needs a solution. <laughs> um, but <laughs> or yeah, it was. <laughs> All right, I, <laughs> it was so soon. <laughs> there are still survivors. <laughs> it's happening again against. Palestinians. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So my point is, is when zealots. when poli- yeah zealots. That's what the problem is because sure. that's who you listen to. When actually most feminists, I don't think. I think most feminists are like chill as fuck. I worked at a rape crisis sure. center. Uh, absolutely. Uh, every feminist that's that I've ever had on this show, we've had. They've enjoyed being with me. Enjoyed being here. We've had great dialogue. But it's the human. question is always. What is the what? I guess what of the extreme or the zealots? What if I say this? Exactly. How is this interpreted? Well, that's the problem. But here's what here's the other part of it. When we talk about those zealots, you have to understand that this country was founded by a bunch of zealots. Totally. So the, those puritanical people that came here from yes, they were looking for this kind of religious freedom, but they were looking for religious freedom of zealotism almost in a sense those were the same people that burned the witches Mm -hmm. they believed in so here's a thing where we you have religious zealots who believe in religion Mm -hmm. with no real i mean and i don't know how you fall upon it but look you have no real you have no real proof about the existence of god or not the existence of god but you 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 your your life 
is this this colors the way you do your life the way you act in your life every every day and so it's always this kind of puritanical thing has always been present it's always been okay for you so in in the context of liberalism everybody's going um you can believe anything you want but that's a mistake. So when you hear somebody going, when you hear the president going, fake news, fake news, fake news, yeah, you know, he's done the same thing he's always done. He's just put a big gaudy gold Trump sticker on something. That has always been the case. People of this, there before him was, 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 uh, was, uh, you, you know, um, Fox News before Trump was Fox News before, and, and then you have these people who don't, where there's no real, there's no real, importance of truth um that okay you believe that but that's no you're wrong but the problem with zealots is you're always gonna have zealots right like you're always gonna have people because sometimes they're changing and they're loud and they're the ones they're, they're important but yeah well they're important. they serve a function they push they push at me and they they show you where the ends are right so but like, truth exactly but that's it And if you if you're from New York, you know that he, he he's he's a dude. He was always a douchebag here. Yeah. Well, here's here's this what's interesting about that. What he's saying is not far from what they wanted to do in the play the first place. The problem is. What they wanted to do, they're not supposed to say it. You're not supposed to. So when it went, this gun control thing was always a thing. uh, Repeal, replace Obamacare was always a thing, not giving people. So people who, so you have, you have the Republicans that are shot in a baseball, in a softball field, right? And then a helicopter comes in and lands and takes this guy to the hospital. What's the copay for that? Like so, here's his congressmen who have this health care, this stellar health care, but they don't want you to have health care. They don't want you to be taken care of. So it's a, it's this 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 hypocritical thing where we're holding the masses down. We're not taking responsibility for. We're lying to people all the time, and the Democrats too, lying to people just a little less on the other side, but they're lying and not telling the truth. So you don't need zealots to push. What you need is truth. If you really go, can, is this correct or is this, a, we know what's correct. But how is that kind of zealotry too? If what you're looking at is the top of the pyramid of the power structure that we have here, so that's a lot of, some people we don't know, they're just really, really rich and they pull the strings when we don't know their names. Some of them are politicians, like whatever. Some of them are just very vocal, whatever it is. Just how rich and want to come and push the power. Sure. But here's this is this is something that's gonna this is gonna make you smile, okay? Because this is the whole point of my philosophy about the benevolent king. This is the benevolent king. It's having power and using power for the good of everybody, and having the responsibility and the credibility to to use that to having power and not being abusive of the power and not being somebody who is is like one of the things that so i you're not familiar with this but this, 
the the benevolent king is that I would say a man should be a benevolent king in in a relationship. So he should if if he is in charge and he's pow- just because he's in charge. So so for instance, the knights at the round table, right? We're setting it around table uh, right exactly. now. Exactly. Uh, we're sitting at the <laughs> with multiple <laughs> floors. Multiple <laughs> floors. <laughs> But it's it's so whenever you watch these movies about King Arthur and the Knights of the Reason Why the Table was round was because everybody had a voice, right? But King Arthur was the benevolent king who, even though he gave everybody a voice and he treated everybody equally, he was still the king. And Sir Lancelot was like a player, and Sir Gavilan was kind of egotistical, and all these guys. But King Arthur wasn't. And because he treated them with the respect of listening to what they had to say in a real way and giving them a real voice, every t- they knew he, he gave them the ability to relinquish the control to somebody who was better than them in terms of ruling, in terms of controlling things. Because, because he listened to the people, he listened to his people, he listened to what the problems were, and not to say that he wouldn't, you know, punish people or or create laws or something, but he did it in the context of this is the best thing for the kingdom overall, not my personal growth, my personal gain. And so when you are the benevolent king, what I find is that you be, as a man, especially in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a relationship with a woman, the woman, when she, that trust is that what you build. So any, t- any movie you've ever seen with King Arthur, they're all fighting to put King Arthur back in power. Right, Robin Hood, any of these movies, you see this historically. This is the same thing, because they know he's the best to be in that position because he's not, he's not, he's not tempted. Not to say that he's tempted, but he has a, the ability to brush off the temptation of what the power, how the power corrupts him. And when you're in a relationship with a woman, she will relinquish the control when she knows that you are that benevolent king. When she doesn't want to, to, she doesn't. If she doesn't want to be in control, or she doesn't, she's not fighting for control. When she knows she doesn't have to fight for the control, when she knows that she can relinquish the control and ask questions, but know that she's still respected and she still has a place and has a voice, and that is the point of Beige Philip Show. Right. Well, there's a biblical root to this. I think because we we have these these we've been put these things about not wanting to be in control that that's a bad thing. So there's a bad thing if you so if you wanna if you wanna live in in the in the in the woods and eat berries and bugs, somehow that's you're not ambitious enough. But you respect you should respect that more because here's a person who's being true to themselves. Everybody doesn't want to be a leader. Everybody's not awesome. Everybody is, and this whole millennial thing is that everybody is awesome. And this is the this is what brings it to this tiki torch shit. The tiki torches is a bunch of mediocre white dudes who have always been able to be middle class by being mediocre. And all of a sudden now, the years of Ronald Reagan 
this trickle down theory now that that trickle down theory is not only not trickling down to the poorest and the brownest people in this country, but it's also affecting these mediocre white dudes who now still are 25, 26 years old and living with their mother in their basement because they suck. They're mediocre. They don't try. They're not even trying to be great. And some of them, even if they tried to be great, who knows how far that would go. But the point is there's an entitlement that they feel that they should have. And because they can't just be mediocre and still be pretty dope in terms of their status, this is where this, this, this I'm disenfranchised is coming from. And it's it's your it's really their supporting these trickle down theories. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. Thinking that rich people give a fuck about them. Okay, so that's actually the fundamental divide that I see more than anything. What you're saying about like the benevolent king that's interesting, but there's like there is a biblical root. That's Ephesians, sure, chapter five, verse twenty-two. Wives submit to your husbands as you submit to God, because God is the ultimate benevolent king. If you subscribe to that Christian view of God, well, how could you do that? What do you mean? Submit to Yeah, well we well here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're we're talking about when when see you know, I you know, I grew up Catholic. I was an altar boy Me too. with the Catholics with the whole yep. the whole nine. And were you molested? What I no, I kinda I was quick on my feet. So um, <laughs> Don't lie, you're an ugly child. <laughs> I was actually adorable. Oh my god. Um but prove the, it, the, take off your shirt. I'll show you this is the second shirt thing. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's interesting is that I went through this period of time where I just constantly, you know, every time I delved into science and, you know, natural science and stuff, it made it more and more difficult for me to follow so a, a bunch of a bunch of desert-dwelling ignorant people who were illiterate and this was their book. Now I get that science, the scientific method, didn't exist before, but it does now. And there's things we, a third grader today knows more than the people that canonized the Bible, knows more about science than the people that canonized the Bible. So my, my, the way I live my life is that when I know more, I'm expected to do better. That's Oprah. That's Maya Angelou via Oprah. Okay. When you know better, you do better. You got to do better. Yeah, and yeah. so here's a situation where that was I, that was I, translated into I gay. Contor- the- okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I I was contorting myself trying to hold on to these beliefs that I knew just were ridiculous. But actually, it is similar because you know the person that I I kind of have like the greatest consults about relationships in my life is my brother, who's an evangelical Christian, and the reason that I even know that Ephesians if chapter he, and five Timothy Timothy too. So the only reason I know that is because at his wedding, right. the, the the reverend, the pastor, read that and then gave a little talk about it. And I was horrified at first. I was like, this is insulting to women. And I'm looking around to see if other people are upset. And, like, people are crying. They're really touched by this. And I was like, oh, okay, so maybe I don't actually know everything. Because if women are affected by this, even if I think it's bullshit, who am I to tell them that it's wrong? Well, here's, here's what's interesting even about – yeah, I, and I probably uh, – I don't have my old, old phone, but I used to keep Ephesians. Um, uh, Ephesians is Timothy, and it's a couple of them. And also women should remain silent. Mm. <laughs> That's the other I one. I mean, the Bible is gross toward women. Right. I'm not arguing that the Bible's right, but right. but it does delineate – 
you know, uh, this sort of masculine feminine thing that I don't necessarily agree with. I think that that is embodied in all people, especially in men. Sure. More so than in men because we have the X and the Y. Sure. Women just have two Xs. So... <laughs> but what I'm saying is is that I think men are like I think we can all tap into the masculine feminine and I think that like it's not about a dick or a pussy. I That's think that exactly there is what, totally what, what, what we were just talking about yeah. in terms of tops and bottoms and people are just that, Do you think though my question for you is do you think that the woman can be the top? Not even like literally like no. she's you think that it has to in a straight relationship it, a man is the top. Uh, listen, there's exceptions to the rule. And there are exceptions to the rule, but moreover than that, if we talk about generalizations in order to escalate the dialogue, totally, right? Yeah. Then no, because we are different in nature, and here's why. Um, if a man, and one of the things that I preach is that a man should always put his happy, put his happiness first, right? The reason why he has to put his happiness first is because. As a man, my ability and, and, and my ability to provide is attached to my manhood. It is attached to my value. So if I want to date Karen and I go, she's looking. If I'm a bum, then I'm not a I'm not a viable mate choice. Mm -hmm. Not true. Not true. That's socialized. Relationships can hold you back. But I wasn't. I was using it as a way to not be like fully engaged in my life and stuff, and I wasn't making myself happy, and it made me really, really unhappy in the relationship because you can't put that kind of pressure on another person. Especially like no one makes you happy. You make yourself happy, and they add something to it. I think it's hard when you're a performer too, Karen. Though. I think well, it's also hard when you're a performer. I think that that changes the game. In a relationship, yeah, kind of, because, like, in order to be present in a relationship, you have to be with somebody who's willing to let you be a part. And that's, in my experience, very difficult. Like, my last relationship, as I was, like, starting to pursue doing what I wanted to do in New York, not just work in restaurants, my relationship really disintegrated because I wasn't as available. I'm not saying that's what happened in yours. Yeah, but that's all of those. Here's what's interesting about that is both of you mentioned two things that are really were really your choices. Those were your choices. And if you say I wasn't available and you say I wasn't able to actualize those things, that's your choice. Unless he was stopping you from doing that or unless somebody was you didn't make a decision. Now, if you had said, listen, I need to be more available and being available stops me from that's a different thing but i don't i don't stop doing what i'm doing because i need to love somebody or care with some and i'm not going to let somebody my 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 initial hmm. point was as in a, in one of these traditional in a more traditional relationship the man has a wife and kids right his responsibility is to provide for that wife and kids and to and that his keep his wife provided for and if she's unhappy, he takes it personal that it's his fault. So you have to put your happiness first because if you put you, her, if he puts his, if he doesn't if he puts his happiness first, her happiness is encompassed in yeah. his happiness, and so is the child. Now here's the difference. My brother's and, gonna love this episode. I can and, already tell. This is like talking to an evangelical Christian. It's interesting. But here's here's the here's the difference. It's there's what. 
Okay, so the basic of base Philip is this: not that there's not these these social constructs. The basis of this, there is these instinctual drives that have existed for over two hundred thousand years in the existence of human beings, and the way that we mate, right, and the way that we do things is built into our DNA. The problem is, you can choose you can choose to be a vet a, a vegetarian, but that doesn't stop your ability to be a carnivore. It's a choice that you make. So I mean, you do lose the enzyme, but yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the point is, the point being is that we have these instinctual drives that are present, that are evolutionary present. They're, they're present because of evolution. They're built into our DNA. And those instinctual drives seep through what we consider the, the social constructs, and they contradict. So because we're not acknowledging that we're, we're animals and that we have this instinct, that's where the problem comes. So understanding what those instincts are and understanding how they mesh with the social construct is what makes you able to deal or understanding what's going on when you're having these emotions. So when a woman has a child, I just I just had a debate with somebody about that thing that went down with Google with the, the oh, guy the that guy. said the women were not now. So I, it was a young lady I had the debate with, and she was like, "Can you believe it?" And I will. I said, "Is there any?" I just asked the question: Is there any um, reasonable reasonable scientific study that that's that supports that that women are not built for tech? So this is echoed by the former president. Yeah, it's very echoed by like the the former president of Harvard. Remember, he said that that girls aren't as good at science. Now he is he is so so now this <laughs> this is this is what I do. This is what I do whenever I have to. I have this is my compulsive disorder is that anytime I don't know something, I dive down this rabbit hole and I and spend three days. So was days. there any evidence? Absolutely, absolutely. By by peer reviewed journals. By by. But wait, but journal, journals of medicine. But here, but this. But that, were they peer reviewed? Yes. Because everything I saw said that those it was all debunked. No, no, really no. Here's here's what it, here's. Well, I'll tell you what it was. Women have the ability to that you have left brain and right brain, right hemisphere brain. One being logical thinking, one being creative. Women have the neurons that connect the two, right? And because they're able to to deal on both sides of that, it makes them less able to do tech because tech is very logical in nature what no but women have a higher propensity of that okay now here's the thing women are much better at language and anything that is contextually the way you have to read it con uh, contextually so men, women run circles around men when it comes to things like language and where both of those brains, we can't do, we don't do it as well, which is the, whereas men are basically logical. Now, wait, here's the, here's the thing. The, the point is not really that it is a variable, but it's not a variable that distinguishes the fact that a woman can't do tech. It is one of the variables. Do you understand what I mean? Right.
Right, so, but this is a, but this is a, that's not what I'm, I'm not even, I'm not debating that. I'm not debating, I'm not, I don't disagree with that. What I'm saying is that this is a variable that is, is a, is a factual variable and that it could be considered. How much that variable takes weight in, in the decision to do tech or not to. Here's what I did find beyond on a social level. So here's a situation where if you, because people do what they want to do. Right, people, what they do, what they're good at. So, so you go into a tech, you go into a tech job, and it's you and forty dudes, right? So you don't have this camaraderie, you don't have other girls, you don't have that kind of that kind of uh, that kind of fellowship or whatever. And you got a bunch of dudes. You right? got a sweet gangbang. <laughs> Every hole. <laughs> here's here's the other thing. Um, and she might, because of the fact that she's she's one in forty, she's probably better than a lot of the dudes because she's she's so focused. There's the the the, air, the area of her knowing that she's going into a, this kind of boys club kind of thing that she is. Here's the other thing: um, when she has. She, if she decides to have it, and this was the real thing, once a woman decides, she decides at a certain point in time she wants to have a child, right? <laughs> she she has a child now. Um, so so Google would give, I think it was eighteen months of it was nine months of the child and then eighteen months of prenatal care where she could stay out and whatever. And then they even created situations where they had daycare in in Google. Um, Three, two months of tech is a lifetime now, the way tech moves. So now you're out of the game for 18 months. You come back. How many iPhones do we do in, in 18 months? Like, you're so far behind. And when you come back, now what women would, and this was what women would talk, there was a lot of artists, what women would say, look, I'm, I'm trying, I'm having my, I'm trying to get my breast milk. I'm at the, my child is in daycare. I'm trying to suck the breast milk at the fucking, at the, at the desk. And I don't really give a fuck about tech. Because I'm not sleeping, or I'm not whatever the fuck. The kid's not sleeping, and there's all of this stuff. Right, but that. Sure, sure. But here's what. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. They. But they, right? Well, and I'm a, I'm a little funny about that too. But yeah, I mean, I, I I don't. No, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. What I mean is that a guy lets his wife be the breadwinner. No, what I'm saying, no, no, I don't care about that oh, either. What I what I'm saying is, you didn't have the baby, like you. you well, I don't have a problem with that. My point is, I didn't have the baby. I didn't push the baby out. And I don't think I deserve the same consideration. Now, if you're talking about the help, if you need the help, that's fine. But I just don't think I deserve the consideration that the woman, what she has gone through. You guys, people just like the world is so overpopulated and there's like major storms and like we're probably going to die in a nuclear. Like you should stop <laughs> having kids. This is such a. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying to anyone listening. I mean. I'm so happy that I have nieces and nephews. It's true, I do, but not in three months. 
Well, you know, I mean, well, what's, what's they look good under is, that cassock and surplus. A, this was all the research that I did is that women don't want to go back into tech. They Like, after they have a child, they go, I could... T- these were, I did three days of research, and I was looking at all this stuff. Of, well, you have a PhD. I pretty much do have a PhD. But the, the point is, and I'm not saying you can't. I, that's, oh, can that's, we just talk about how white women are what, the problem? That's what I want to talk about, about women. <laughs> oh, they're so entitled. Bah, bah, bah. Give me this. Give me this. Bah, bah, bah. I hate patriarchy. Bah, bah, bah. Hold the door for me. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I'm going to tip you 10%. I'm not, when I wasn't, when I wasn't, I wasn't even questioning the whole thing. What I'm saying is, what I'm ultimately saying is there are variables that exist. So in, from situation to be. so lost in translation after you say, like, I'm hearing the nuance of what you say. Right. I can imagine just somebody listening to be like, yeah, no, but that's and that's that's not what I'm saying. That's not what you're because saying. here's the, the the most important thing of it all. Who cares what people think? The, but you cannot be the benevolent king without having empathy. Empathy is the most important yeah, part of it. Eyeballs. And so when you're looking and you're reading the when you're reading the room, you have to have the empathy of it. So there's nothing wrong with having the dialogue. It's nothing wrong with saying if it's true, if it's factually true that women have a higher propensity to to deal with left brain, right brain. But is that the only issue no that's not the issue there's a social issue there's a there's what she wants to do there's some and so you have to so you have to look at the whole picture and then have the empathy of what the person that you're dealing with and see what's really going on as opposed to jumping to the conclusion oh women have they don't have the brain for it and they should that's not nobody's saying that and so it is much more involved. And d- the question is, do women want to do tech after they Because w- here's the thing. Yes, but when you have a child, after you have a child, if you have that, that it, this, and this goes back to the, the instinct of, 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 of the instinct of our animals, you don't give a fuck about tech. Are we counting Cheryl Sandberg as working in tech? Yeah, it doesn't. It, <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. But I'm serious. Are we counting Sheryl Sandberg as working in tech? I mean, she's like a business person, but she works in tech. So she's not like a developer. Is that what we're talking about? But what I'm saying is, have you read her book? Because this is like the woman in tech. What I'm saying, here's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, from Facebook. What I'm saying is that any any one of these questions. Because she has kids. She answers these in her book. Any one of those questions is nuanced. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is from situation, you have to look at the situation and what's going on and and be open-minded to see what the dynamics are, all the variables, before you make a decision Dante, on this. Dante, if you do a book club on Beige Phillips of Lean In, I'll read it. <laughs> That's the only way I would ever read that. You should read that book. It would be interesting I to would hear love what you to read. I'd love to read it. I'll, tell me, I'll, I'll get it from you. I'll get the name of it, and I'll read Lean it. Lean In. You haven't heard about Lean In? <laughs> No. Lean in. Oh, it's such a punchline. Like three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We keep saying we're doing book club. We might do book club <laughs> eventually. <laughs> you bought the Hillary Clinton book? I didn't buy it yet. We're going to yeah. read the Hillary Clinton book. What happened? We should do a double feature. That and the what was the other one? Shattered. The one that was about the campaign. I don't know. I mean, I think that like, you know, because you can't really look at Hillary Clinton as a human. She's a monster. So <laughs> like talking about feminism, because she really brought. But one thing that the, the campaign did do is like it brought 
it made people really empowered to talk about feminism in a really great way. So I think that what's happening is a lot of these dialogues that you're talking about are happening. I think I don't I think if I think if she if it if if she was a better candidate it would have gotten to the point where her gender would have made a difference but I don't think she got even to the I don't even think she even picked up the momentum to the point where they started talking about her gender. Okay, okay. Okay, so we're going to play a little game. It's called Rapid Fire. This is a new segment. Yeah, it's time. It's time. Yeah, go. Well, there's a, I think there's a balance. There's a balance. I think that you have to find that balance. Now, that balance is something that's really interesting because it's even, even your ex was basically, he was like, oh, I love you because you're really comfortable with your lizard person. He used to say that to me. And I was like, what the fuck do you mean? And he goes, well, well, we all have, like, I have another me that I keep, chained up underneath the kitchen in a trap door and that guy is there and he we but i'm comfortable with him and i'm comfortable letting him out when it needs oh he's he's oh wow i I mean it's it's not called for but like it's an attack dog that if i let him out i it's kind of hard for me to pull him back but what's interesting is I find that assholes have no problem being assholes. And most of the time, good people are always worried about not being assholes. And so when assholes come around, we go, oh, yeah, well, yeah, oh, you, and then we make excuses for them. I don't make excuses for it. So if you're going to be an asshole, I'm probably going to be a bigger asshole than that guy's ever until, until he's the person that's going, whoa, whoa, easy. I mean, come on. Fuck that. It's on now. We, I'm gonna asshole you. It's 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 so. That's how all my relationships have ended, <laughs> literally. <laughs> but but I think the other problem man. is you have to do that when when you're not angry. You gotta be able to cut. You have, you gotta be able to cut your your watchdog loose when you're not angry. Because if you rile the watchdog up and then you cut him loose, then you can't call him off. So what happens is we wait and we put up and we put up and we put up and then we're angry with ourselves because we put up with so much and then we're vicious because we feel mistreated when it was really our fault for putting up with the nonsense in the first place. So for instance, I've been out, and I've talked about this, I've been out on a date, well I've gone out, picked a girl up for a first date and she's 15 minutes late and I leave. And then she'll come down, where are you at? I go, oh no, I, I had to leave. The date was at eight o'clock, and she'll be like, "Well, are you coming back?" No, I'm not coming back, and I'm not mad. I just have set my boundaries, and I go, "I don't have a problem with the fact that you think that you can disrespect my time, but you're not going to get an opportunity to do that again." And so, if you want to have this date again next week, we could try. We'll, I'll call you. We'll figure it out. But today, I'm the fuck out of here. And then when you start to set those boundaries early, 
you don't end up with these motherfucker fuck you. You don't end up with because if you can't be 15 minutes late on the first date, chances are you're not going to be calling your, calling each other's names. You you start to set those boundaries of you have to teach people how to treat you. And if you don't teach them how to treat you, that's your fault. So as much as you can have the empathy of being somebody who understands somebody's point of view, it gives you also the insight to go, oh, you're being a dick. All right, this you deserve this. Now, now here's what it feels like. And if they're, they have a problem with that, then you know that's somebody that you, you need to not be with because they don't have the empathy to see what your point of view is. I think it's about honesty, too. Sure. That's sure really is. what it comes down to is people being honest about... Credibility. Even, yeah, it's like honest about who I am up front. Well, this is who I am. It's not going to change, like it or not. Um, I think you can, I think, well, I, here's what I think, the, the being, um, like integrity, some of the things I talk about is integrity, credibility, those are the things that make a man attractive. So if I say what I mean and I mean what I say, then that makes me, that touches the, the, uh, that, that instinctual attraction on a level that we don't even, that women don't even really conceptually understand in that. It's a feeling. So, for instance, um, a guy who, a guy who is dis- is is dishonest or disingenuous, his disingenuousness is um, is a reflection of him trying to hide something, trying to hide something. What is that thing he's trying to hide? I don't know. This is what I say to guys who listen to my show because they want to get laid or whatever. Here's what you have to understand: every time a woman goes out with a dude. She has to worry about whether this guy's going to rape her or kill her. That's a possibility. That's a real possibility. It may not be a cognitive possibility, but when she comes to your house, that could happen. So what she ha- women have this instinctual sixth sense that the minute something is dishonest, dishonest reads as shaky or shady, shady reads as, as you're hiding something. Hiding something means what are you hiding? It could be dangerous. Dangerous is creepy. Creepy is get the fuck out. And that happens in seconds. So to the same token, your integrity of the fact that you have the integrity of what comes out your mouth is, is reads as, okay, he says every, there's no incongruency. And no incongruency reads as safety, and safety reads as attraction. Sure. Scared. Like, that, that's a fear thing that you're describing. So it's like someone who's afraid of whatever anything disingenuous and oh, do that act. Shady and I gotta go. Yeah. But honestly, the same thing. Sure. Like, you're nervous. They see you're nervous and they're not thinking like, oh, it's because they're standing in front of your audience and it's scary. They're like, well, what the fuck is your problem? Right. Like, would you be scared and then they can't mentally trust you and relax into what is it? And it's not even a cognitive thought. It's just a, it, it's an, it's an instinctual feeling that's happening and that's what happens. So the. Sure, sure, sure. But when in relationships, on an instinctual attraction is something that you have to be. You can't fake it because women can read it. Women have to see, and this is the difference, this is another like superpower that women, women have the, re, the, re, the, the ability to read that disingenuine really good. Now they will, if they like you enough, they will overlook it, but they're reading it. They, they can't not read, it's super sensitive to that. So 
um, the attraction can happen on an instinct, instinctual level, and then based on a cognitive conversations that we have and so on and so forth, that, that attraction happens on another level. Then that attraction is really powerful because, wow, this dude is... I've never left a girl standing because she came late on a date and, she, and didn't go on a date with her again. Because what it says is, I respect myself and I value myself. And I'm not yelling because you're late. I just leave. Okay, you don't get it. Um, that's fine. But you don't get to treat me that way. It, it sounds as if reasonable boundaries. Sure, sure. Reasonable, that's fair, it. To me, fair. it's interesting. But that's not like male or female. I think that happens on like male-male dates. I think that happens Absolutely. on everybody's dates. Absolutely. You, I think that happens in this room right here. Like sure. you feel everybody's energy. Sure. That's right. You oh sure that I, that's semantics that, that really gets down to semantics Absolutely. I think everybody can get on board with what you're saying but not everybody can get on board with the vocabulary but who cares I, but hear here, what you're saying. I would say this and, and then ultimately this is something I say on my show all the time true wisdom is the understanding of underlying concepts how they relate to situations that seem irrelevant but really are not so as we learn things if we boil those things down to the rue of what we're really saying, what is the lesson here? Once we realize that when we've done the math and we've shown the work and we know that, that this is the lesson, then we can reapply those lessons again and again and again and again and again throughout our lives. And it makes us, this is what makes us wise, being able to use those lessons that we've learned throughout life so that we can understand things that we've never even dealt with because it's just like like what you said about a, about you know being on stage that lesson you can that lesson applies to relationships it also applies to man male um, to gay relationships or dick on dick whatever <laughs> so it's the same thing it's it's instantly not letting somebody recognizing what your value is and saying oh you don't you know Mm, I get that this is what you're comfortable with, but you don't get to do that. Today. I mean, I just think that the apps, you know. at least for gay people, but probably for everybody that's on the apps, like younger, like the younger generations that are that are being acculturated to this is this is the court, the new courtship is is swiping. Um, I think that that just forces a level of dishonesty, and it's making it very difficult for me to find a relationship that way. Um, because I think what happens is people present an image that they want, myself included. Right. We all present an image that we want the world to see. Like, I well, don't want this picture out there. I, I say don't this want all the time. I say people work, people work more on their Facebook profile than they work on their real profile. Yeah, and I think that and that might be changing, but um, I, I, at least among my peers, like, a lot of people are leaving. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's gonna be an it's Another gonna be thing. something that's it's always, gonna always it'll be yeah. something else, and it, and and it's also it will be a part of once we we can't go back. Like, can you imagine not having a smartphone? No, you're right. at this point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was sure, aimed sure. before that. It was. I mean, there've been town criers. Yeah. Well, yeah, this yeah. Is, but this is the the point is really. I think if I had to say the real message of, of Beige Phillip is authenticity. This is the truth of checking. You know, it's your brain works like a GPS or even like an Uber app to a certain extent. You have to 
in order, like, so for instance, it's interesting is we're in the house. So if I go for an Uber Multiple right now, force. right? <laughs> if I go for an Uber, if I call for an Uber right now, because we we're, get it, you're rich. We're in the <laughs> we're in the back of the house. We're in the back of the house, but the back of the house will read it as the next block over, right? <laughs> so so what's interesting is if I get in, if I just go current location and I'm not aware of what my current location is, I never get the Uber because the Uber's on the next block. So when I, what I mean by that is you as a person, you need to know who you are. You have to constantly do this work to realize who and what you are. And when you know who you are, there's a comfort in that because now when you put in the destination where you want to go, now here's what's interesting even about the destination. You just can't put Main Street. If you live on Main Street, because Main Street could be in 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 Uzbekistan. There might be a Main Street. So it has we need the zip code. We need the specifics of the destination. So you need the specifics of where you are as a person and you need the specifics of your destination. Otherwise, if you don't have your don't understand what your current location is, you don't know where you're at, you never get the Uber. And if you don't give a specific destination, then you're not going to get to where you're going to go. So people are, are so busy on these apps and on and not really looking at really, really at who they are in essence because they're afraid to do that. Everybody's at an open mic here forever. That's like the yeah, and they don't want, and like, they're hey, jerking I'm each other off. Like, but what are you right now? Like, right. Maybe you're so talented and, like, far be it for me to judge anybody's stupid open mic stuff and just one set, but... Yeah, but you don't you don't really want to be famous because the famous what is you know, you haven't even really looked into what that means. What that you it's a concept to you that you haven't really explored because if you haven't and the first the first case study you have to do is yourself. You have to take stop and that's the scary thing is to look in the mirror and go Okay, this is who I am. But this is what Andy Warhol predicted about everyone being famous for 15 minutes. That's what Facebook affords people, an opportunity to get public acclaim. It's all wrapped up in likes. It's what all the social media is doing. Like, And really what anybody's doing now, there aren't the stars that there were before because there's just so many outlets. There's right. so many places and it's all so niche. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before about like zealotry. One thing that I think is really distressing to me um on a societal level is how we have become so segregated and we really just select the communities we want to be a part of nah, to a different degree though no i think it's quite different no i think because what happened i'm talking about like at least in like american history technology has done that it's, yeah it's you just see to, who you want people the, yeah. it, black people know completely different things than white people that is the same okay like they yeah. have different cultural references than white people do. but that's but not different no white stuff yes because, because they have, have to. to know exactly white stuff to operate in a in a No, I think it's different because I actually, 
I don't know. I just think that like it becomes an echo chamber. Yeah, exactly. It, that's really what exactly. it is, and so that's where the dishonesty happens. And there's is that no you reason see who to, to, you want to emulate in right. the in the room. You see who the person that's getting the most acclaim. You copy what they're doing, and that's to some degree what art is. Is you see who's doing the thing that's the most interesting. Maybe it's not always the same thing as the most acclaimed, but like you, fi- you find who you want to find, and then you like you follow that, you follow that path. Like that's I, I think how like societies evolve. Well, but like yeah, now but it's here's, just here's what's interesting about that: the most critically acclaimed people were the people who didn't go by what the norm was. They went outside of the norm. Not always. They, I mean, I think long term maybe, but in the moment, Katy Perry's the most acclaimed. Yeah, but then what, what you're talking about, what you're talking about, is this millennial kind of flash in the pan. Like no, if you, um, I'm trying to think of the artists. Um, gosh, I can't think of the song either. Um, but you you have you have so, like songs like you have you have artists who are timeless in terms of Marvin Gaye, uh, guys like uh, Sam Cooke, and you have people who these are or, or, or Hendrix or these guys who. It wasn't a flash in the pan. It, it's literally this, this: the people taking their soul and giving you a look into their soul. And when you get that, those things last. They last. They're, they're because there's a, there's an authenticity in that. And so I get that there's this superficial millennial thing that's going on, but it really I, I don't know. And and if we're talking about finance, money, the, how people make money. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the roots of people bearing their soul in terms of art or being honest in the context of who they are. So I, I just did a um, – this, uh, this girl just did a paper on me because she had to do a paper on leaders, right, and she wanted to do the paper on me. And she asked me that I think I was, I was a leader. I said, like, yeah, I guess people – you know, people listen to me. I'm that guy like Patrice would, where he would sit at the chair and people – you know, they kind of come up and they talk to me and whatever. Um, and um, she asked me, what What did I, did I think I was successful? And I said, yes. And she asked me why I thought I was successful. I said, because my ideal self, how I want to perceive myself, is very, very, very close to what my real self is. And to me, that is successful. Now successful am i making kevin hart money no but i believe that i'm authentic on stage i think i'm authentic in what i do i think when people are around me they feel as though what i'm saying is important because they respect what i do and because and what i have to say because it you there's a a feeling almost a sixth sense that this is authentic i don't think i have an there's a air of what i do that is inauthentic and if there is something that I feel is somehow incongruent in my life, I'm aware of it that I just haven't really figured it out yet. And it and it's almost like a pebble in my shoe that I'm working on trying to figure it out every day. And I think if you live like you're like that, how can you not be happy? Mm-hmm. You know, that's actually a good that's a good segue because we do need to wrap this up and I want to I want to do like quick word association with you but let's do it with like leaders. So I'm just going we're going to throw names at you. Okay. And y- you start whatever you want. But I'm going to throw names at you. Okay. Uh and you just say like the first things that come to your mind. Oprah Winfrey. Uh she I- might run for president. Iconic. Mm-hmm. Um 
Uh, malleable. Okay, Bill Clinton. Char- charismatic. Uh, waste of time. <laughs> yeah, it's a mistake. Oh, Marijuana. I have a, I have a friend of mine that does. I have a friend of mine that does a that actually did a uh kind of an artist dude who's really kind. He created a uh, a cigar with um botanics where it really smells good, and um because initially the the psychology behind a stinking cigar is like look at me i got a stink big stinking cigar and i don't give a fuck and i'm and i don't give a fuck and that and what what he what he created with these these it's called acid the, the name of the cigar is called acid and uh uh you smoke it and then women come over and the the point is you, you the, the the women go what is that you're smoking because it's because it's nuts. It's he does botanical botanics, different botanics, and they smell really good. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. that's good. Um, marijuana. Uh, awesome. <laughs> uh, awesome. Hennessy. Um, Woody. It's empty. <laughs> There's a bottle, another, of Hennessy. Another bottle of Hennessy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bottle here. Donald Trump. Uh. Douchebag. <laughs> um, righteous. Melania Trump. Trapped. <laughs> Everyone, this victim narrative around her is very interesting. Everyone thinks that. Me too. I agree. All right. She's here with her Tims down in yeah. Puerto Rico. <laughs> until yeah, until. Until I I I think you I think you gotta sometimes you chase something until it catches you. Even if she isn't happy, even if she isn't happy, exactly, she made choices. Yeah, she made choices. Sure, that's what but, you were but we don't have to, we don't have to be happy about the choices that we make. Be that's careful true. what you. Be careful what you wish for, because sometimes you get it. Okay, good point. Good point. Speaking of queens, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, I think she's sincere, um, but abrasive at times. Yeah, we love her. Yeah, dear I think friend she's of the very show. sincere. You know, she's authentic. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. Everything about her. Do you know her like ex-wife though? Speaking of relationship shit, because she always gets into relationship things. Her ex-wife, who she had the autistic daughter, she has the youngest one mm-hmm. now. Her ex-wife killed herself like a month ago. Really? Oh, it's awful. Poor Rosie. Wow. She's had a rough year. Between like, uh, between like Khalif, yes. Khalif Broder, the whole thing with Khalif Broder you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. His fact, mother. When I saw her involved in that and how sincere she was about that. But this is a. And he said he thought it was a little weird, but also sweet. Yeah. He was like, why are you so into my mom? But also, thank you for being so into my yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No. I think she over-identifies maybe, and that's part of her, like, personality shit, but. Yeah. Sure. Everything, but we love, the things we love about people is the same thing we love, we hate about them. And just the degree that we hate about them. You know, when it goes up the notch. <laughs> um, okay, Kim Kardashian West, 
I, I don't give a fuck. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, Bruce Jenner slash Caitlyn Jenner. I don't give a fuck. Do you care about the change? I, the transition? I, it's oh, bullshit. It's, it's just, I, I, you know, I want to talk about it just not as one word, <laughs> if I can. I, I just think the fact that they've... Uh, I just think the fact that he, you know, that he's been this or her or whatever, whatever it's just she goes you're by not, she. You're uh, she. You're you're not like, dude. You're not, you're not even you're not even representative of the people that like you have this platform and you're not even representative of the people that you should be representative herself. That's it. I know, but I kind of strongly disagree with that. Like Why? I know, and I know everybody. Yes, there is. No, there's something because she, because yes, she does represent being this like privileged white bitch, but also she like is forcing all these conversations about the fact that like the people that are getting murdered and then like I don't think overkilled. That was her point. No, maybe not, but it's like sort of like Karen's whole point about Trump is that it's not the point of him to be forcing these conversations, oh, but they're all happening absolutely. around him. I, I, Trump Same with is Caitlin. bringing people together. In leaps and bounds, he's Sherrod Small said it the day after. Sherrod Small said it. Yes. The best art is yeah. about to happen. That's what Sherrod said. No, because he's forcing people to have these. Muslims are going, you know, that butt thing. I don't know. I don't know. But we, let's be together. We need to be together because this guy is crazy. So you haven't. Huh? I don't, God, now I'm turned on yeah. now that you're doing your Arab voice. <laughs> <laughs> Take off your shirt. <laughs> 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 All right, I have a final I have a final thing. If you have one more that you want to do. Okay. Yeah, you do yours. Okay. Okay. Uh, Kanye West. Um I think he's nuts. Yeah, but a legend. He's yeah, a genius. He's, he's ge- yeah, but he's nuts. Okay. Yeah. What is the funniest thing that you ever heard Patrice say or do? Uh I'll tell you the th- Okay. This is funniest thing ever. Um so we went to a um <laughs> went to do a college. And this was at the time when he was on Web Junk Twenty. So he was on VH one and you know, VH one was really not a platform that really showed who Patrice was because it was kind of talking head, right? And uh this 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 college booked him and we went we went out there. We we were we drove out in his Jeep and I'm driving and the gr- little white girl from the, from the college, she comes to pick us up to take us to the college. And, uh, she's like, Hey, it's so great to meet you. And then, and she's, <laughs> and as she's talking, he starts, ro- the glass is tinted and he starts rolling the window up. Right? <laughs> but she's so entitled, right? That she doesn't stop talking. She just raises up on her toes as the, as the crack is closing. She's going, so it went, and then it closes, and then she, she like drops her shoulders like she's frustrated, and he rolls the window down like four inches, and she goes, so we're going to get it, and then he closes it back. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, hmm, she's like, she's pouting. Then he rolls it down a little. And so if you can just find, and then he rolls it back. <laughs> and, and so it was just so funny because she didn't even, she wasn't aware enough to know to just stop, stop, just stop talking. And <laughs> he was fighting white women before we all knew they were the devil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Oh, God. Rest in peace. <laughs> Honestly. Dante, do you have anything you want to promote? Yeah, love the guys to check out the Beige Phillips show, understanding how relationships work, how relationships in general work. Can I be a guest on your show and you can deconstruct why gay men can't have functioning relationships? I'll I bring would three love of my to friends. Do that. You Let's know, have a bunch of gays on. Um, yeah, we could do that. We'll take your shirt off. We'll just see what happens. <laughs> we sur- it is a circle we're sitting when in. You, <laughs> when you wait till you see my intern, he's fucking smoking hot. Yeah, is he, he gay? No. Tell no. him what's up. <laughs> he's 22. He's 22. Oh, definitely. T- <laughs> you can't fuck a 22-year-old. No, they don't. It's like a jackhammer. Oh, they don't know what they're doing. It lasts three minutes. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta fuck an older dude because this ain't your that's what I'm saying. grandma's uh, missionary style. That's right. All right, so Beige <laughs> Phillips Show, iTunes, and uh, it's on iTunes. I have an app too, the Beige Phillips Show app. Um, and uh, just listen to uh, DanteNero.com on Twitter, Dante Nero Comedian on Instagram. Everything's Dante Nero. Or you could go to BeigePhillips.com or DanteNero.com, either one. They're linked. And I also do one-on-one consultations for if you have relationship problems, you can book some time to talk to me directly. All so, right. Uh, I'm, uh, what's the hourly? What's the going 250. rate? $250. $250? I want a friends and family discount. <laughs> 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 What's funny is that I'm I'm really uh my authentic about helping people. So a lot of times guys, you know, I I shouldn't say this, but usually people will get a half hour and then they end up with an hour anyway. Or if they get an hour, I usually ends up being an hour and fifty hours. Like I don't. It's like know, this podcast. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> it never I don't, ends. I don't cut the. You know, like yeah. I'm. I'm not. If if there's a thought, I don't go. I just. You know, I just don't think you should do All that. Right. To and people. that's where the Jewish comparison ends. And just unhireable in life. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for doing this. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Or not. Or no, we will. Yeah, yes, let's do that.